1: We
0: don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. it still gives us the life. Live. The reality is, he is all things beautiful, capital B, and so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God.
2: Good morning, Real Presence Radio listeners. This is Father Brian Christensen broadcasting live from the Cathedral, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. Hi, atop. The Cathedral of Our Lady, Perpetual Help, here in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I'm joined by my co-host,
1: Karen Gibis. Good
2: morning, Karen. Good
1: morning, Father. It's good to
2: have all our listeners with us this morning. Thanks for joining us.
1: I think it's great that they tune in.
2: I know. We have a beautiful show set up with uh, lots of great guests, good talk, and um, yeah, guidance of the Holy Spirit as we uh, get ready to move towards our Pentecost.
1: Should we start in prayer?
2: Let's do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Mm -hmm. Loving God and Father, we thank you for every grace and blessing in this Easter season as we uh, look forward to the celebration of Pentecost, um, that outpouring of the Holy Spirit that gave birth to the church. May you renew within us the graces that we first received in our baptism, called graces of faith and hope and love. Strengthen us to be faithful disciples of your Son, Jesus Christ, and to bear witness uh, to the good news, the joy of the gospel of salvation. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love, send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. St. Matthias.
1: Pray for us.
2: Yeah. The uh, replacement for Judas today. Oh. We celebrate St. Matthias, the Excellent. one on whom the lot fell.
1: Do you ever feel like you're the one upon whom the lot fell, Father?
2: Yeah. You know, uh, it's great. I love the reading from the Acts of the... Uh, Apostles today from the reading for Saint Matthias is, uh, you know, they have two men that they set aside, Barsabas and Matthias, and then they pray, Lord, make known to us the man you have chosen. Right? This God, this is God, God knows who He wants, right, to lead His church to, and, and in fact, in His providence for each one of us, He knows the plans He has for us. Saint Jer- as uh, Jeremiah said, the prophet says, you know, God says through Him, I planned for you, for your flourishing and for your good.
1: That's one of my favorite Bible verses. It's the one that keeps me like, okay, we can do this. Yeah, God has a plan. This, he's got this. my back. I don't need to worry too much about it, except for maybe, what are we having for supper?
2: God's <laughs> he got might everything leave, he else might, covered. He, he has a plan for that, but he might leave some discretion. Some, so, some creativity he's given to us prudence. Me. Well, um, we are going to be joined this morning um, by uh, author, speaker, um, all around... Uh, great guy. Di- great guy, <laughs> disciple <laughs> just- of Jesus Christ. And... Um, so, uh, we have on the line, uh, Kevin Wells. Good morning, Kevin. Father,
0: it's great to be with you, Karen. You too. It's, it's awesome to be back.
2: Yeah, you have been on the radio with us before, and you have been to the Black Hills of South Dakota. By the way, it's a beautiful day. They're thinking we're going to reach uh, 70 and sunny and light breezes. So, uh, again, a great place to be today in God's creation. Amen. Amen right. How was your trip when you came out to Rapid City uh, the last time?
0: It's still on my mind. Um, so I got a chance to know a lot of the men out there that, that uh that Saturday. And uh, strong men in South Dakota. We we we, we don't have the uh, we don't have the same brand out here in the D C area. So it was good <laughs> to get out there. And then uh, and then one of your good men took me out to see uh, Mount Rushmore. Uh and, and he gave me the whole tour and we saw the buffalo and we went to the parks and it was, uh, you know, I, I, it truly, and, and I don't just say this, it was, it was truly a, a great consolation and joy to get out to South Dakota. So uh, thanks for asking.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, we're very happy you're here. Afterwards, uh, we uh, have a had a great men's group going on. There. This coming Saturday is their last session of Into the Breach that they've been doing here at the cathedral. So um, just really reignited the call to the men we need, right, uh, in the church today. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, for our listeners that are joining us here on Real Presence uh, Radio this morning.
0: Well, well, Father, you said, you know, uh, of all the things you said, really what I what I hope to be is just a... A decent Catholic disciple, you know. I, I in this in this world today, I I think the way I, I I've been chosen, at least at this point in my life, by God is is to do a lot of writing. I'm am I'm a Catholic author. I'm a um, you know I, I do a, a good bit of speaking. I I, I do some podcasts. I um, you know it's uh, I do whatever I can. I guess where the Holy Spirit wants to touch me on the shoulder and and say go there. Oftentimes I fail because I'm a sinner, but but I love the Catholic faith. I love everything that it teaches, and I, and I just try and proclaim it to the best I can.
2: Yeah, no, praise God, and uh, I'm very grateful for the work that you do. Um, one of the things that you have uh, been working on is um, writing about uh, and researching the Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, can you talk to the, us about uh, Father Schwartz?
0: Sure. So nobody in your listenership knows who Venerable Aloysius Schwartz is. I encourage your listeners to know who he is because he will be a canonized saint in the Catholic Church and he's from America. He's an American hero who did staggering, astonishing things for the least of these. And, and, and just briefly, um, he raised his hand in 1957 and told his, asked his record, rector to send him to the worst place in the world. So his vector said, well, that would be South Korea because the war just ended, and it is a dystopian novel down there. Um, mm-hmm. Lepers in the street, orphans, tubercular, unwed mothers, the dying. So he said, good, that's my new home. So uh, the Washington, D.C. area priest went to Korea, and within 10 years he took a scorched landscape, put it on his back, and changed the entire country. And then he went to the Philippines and did the same, and he went to Mexico and did it again. So he is an American hero. He did not want to be known. He prayed not to be known. Uh, but I, I guess I broke the seal, and, I, and I've just finished <laughs> his biography, and Ignatius will release it next week. Wow, fantastic. So uh,
2: what's the name of the biography, and how can people get a hold of it? Well, the name of the biography is
0: Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Uh, Ignatius Press is releasing it on May 20th, so, so I, you know, I would encourage listeners that, that want to learn about this American hero, who I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit besides, will be a, will be a canonized saint soon. And, and from America, that, that says something. Um, you can go to ignatius.com or amazon.com or, or maybe in a week or two to your favorite Catholic bookstore.
2: Yeah, that would be great to patronize our local Catholic bookstores here in our listening area. Um, tell us a little bit what inspired uh, Father Schwartz to this missionary activity, and, and, and how did he go about it? Like I'm always interested, like, you know, you have this moment of inspiration, um, but then how do you put those things into practical, living out the gospel in the way that the Holy Spirit prompts us?
0: Very good, Father. So two questions. It's what inspired me. So I'm from a family of priests. I love priests. My brother's a priest, and, and I'd, I'd written a book a few years ago named The Priests We Need to Save the Church, and in studying, researching that, you know, what I wanted to write about, I studied the lives of John Biani, Philip Neary, Maximilian Kolbe, you know, some of the great precincts. and what I had learned in Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, I had never read in any of the greatest precincts in the history of the Church, and I said, man, I want to write about this priest. I want to write about this mystery because he's just flabbergasting what he was able to do. He saved hundreds of thousands of souls. So, I think what inspired him was at a very early age he was bold. He understood, growing up in the in the teeth of the Great Depression in D.C., what poverty felt like. He grew up in a very poor family, and and God's face seemed to turn away. His dad got very sick and almost died. His mom had to work full-time, and the kids were alone in the house. But rather than giving up on God, he felt God in the desolation. And he said, "I, I know what it feels like to be poor and scared, and I want to go on, and I want to help the poor and scared. And it never left him. From the age of eight until the day he died from Lou Gehrig's disease in 1992, he went after the humiliated, the disregarded, and the impoverished, and he, he just stuck them on his back and said, I have come to save you.
2: Wow, you know, that you uh, mentioned something just about his upbringing, which uh, in a lot of cases, you know, when we have, you know, uh, some kind of disadvantage or some kind of obstacle in our life, we would see that as a hindrance in our life to to living a a successful life. And he took the circumstances of his youth and his family life and saw it as a way to bring blessing to others. He used that experience um, for the gospel.
0: Right. I think in a a very uncanny way, he understood the meaning of the cross at a very young age. And he said, God has given me this cross of of, of loneliness. And And he said, but I think there's there's purpose in here. There's providence in here. He was very smart. He was a very smart young man. He was, he was brilliant. He, he had raised tens of millions of dollars for the poor and abandoned uh, it, it, throughout the course of his life, because he, he was smart. But he was also married. He had consecrated mm-hmm. his priesthood to Mary, and essentially he told her in 57, right before he was ordained, I, I am now your slave. I will mm-hmm. live out my priesthood uh, in, in your name. So he, he did not take a day off. He just worked on behalf of the poor. Um, so he dedicated himself to Mary and the Eucharist and, and really to boldness. Um, people tried to stop him. Uh, American bishops tried to stop him. His own Korean bishop wanted to throw him out of the diocese. His own rector wanted to stop him. His his priesthood. Is, 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 I guess you'd have to read about it in the book. Why? But one after one after one, he passed right through all of them because Mary. He Mary. He said was protecting him. Wow. Uh, we're
2: talking with Kevin Wells, uh, author, speaker, podcaster. If that's the word, uh, uh, <laughs> faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Uh, father and uh, husband um, about uh, the venerable Aloysius Schwartz, uh, who lived in the second half of the 20th century, died in 1992 uh, of Lou Gehrig's disease, a great missionary. Um, Kevin, could you just kind of share the the way in which, um, you know, uh, Father Schwartz was able to enter into Korea? And like, what were the first steps? How do you go to a foreign country and in, especially in the situation post war, post Korean War, and begin. Where did where did he start, and what how,
0: what was his kind of missionary activity? I guess it, it's it, it's a great question, Father. He left the Mary Knowles. He knew he wanted to be a missionary. He left the Mary Knowles in America because he thought candidly he thought that they were too soft. He, uh-huh. he thought that they that they would serve the poor, but they didn't live for. He wanted to live for. He wanted to live like a beggar. So he found this. This, this missionary outfit in Belgium, very obscure outfit, the Samus. And he said, that's what I want. So the Samus would go off and live like poor priests in the poorest places in the world. So that's kind of how it started in Korea. Uh, that's how he ended up there. And, um, and, and really, what it, what it takes, obviously, to, to go into this place where, where just tens of thousands, millions, actually a million plus people had died in the war, and he went in to say, I, I need to take the remnant, I need to take the survivors, and sort of bring them to Christ, the fullness of the faith in the Catholic, Catholic Church. It takes resiliency and boldness, and that's what he was. He was bold. I'll, I'll say this. One priest from America joined him, a monsignor, James Golosinski, and he's still alive. Mm. And he told me in the research for, for my book, he said, Kevin, I, I, um, I, I say that, many people say that Father Al tried to live like, St. Vincent de Paul and serving the poor but I'm here to tell you that he did more than St. Vincent de Paul I was there and I saw it and he was as bold a man who has ever lived. Nobody could stop his love for the poor and he would work 16, 17, 18 hour days to do whatever he could to put them on his back
2: Wow. Now, fantastic. Could you—you uh, you talked about some of the obstacles, and certainly um, we encourage our listeners to go out and get this book when it's available from Ignatius Press or their local um, bookstore. But um, he met many obstacles, as you said, whether that was in seminary or in, from his superiors or from the bishops uh, in the missionary territories. Um, and I suppose from, from people that he met, and maybe financial challenges or whatever it might be, can you give us an example of one of those obstacles that Father Schwartz met in his missionary activities, and, and really how
0: that was overcome in his life? Father, I'll give you a perfect example. So the American bishops were very angry with Father Schwartz. Uh, they lived on the other side of the world because um, his, his mission was really taking uh, millions of dollars from American pockets and uh, off to Korea. So they had written the Pope several times at the time um, and said, would you stop this priest out in Korea? So the, so the Pope wrote him a letter and said, you must stop raising from America. Well, what does Father Al do? How dare the American... And it wasn't all of them. It was, you know, it was a handful it was a sizable amount of bishops. He said, how dare they? They don't know the poverty I see. So he flew to Rome and he fought for the poor of Korea. And you know what happened? He, the, the Pope and his, I guess his subordinates, they said, "You, Father Al, you keep going.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: we're talking with uh, kevin wells uh, author
2: of uh upcoming book on um, venerable aloysius schwartz great missionary priest from america to uh, korea and the philippines and to mexico um we're going to take a break here on real presence live from rapid city south dakota and we'll come back and continue talking with author and speaker kevin wells
1: If you have ever been through the hell of deep darkness and suffering, like the suicide of a loved one, do you know that your experience may be helpful to someone else? I'm Father Chris Alar. Mercy is defined as a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering, it does something about it. And when you exercise the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, you are truly loving your neighbor. Jesus said, When a soul approaches me with trust, I fill it with an abundance of graces that it cannot contain it within itself, but radiates them to other souls. Let us show you how to be that radiator and find healing for yourself in the process. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them in You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help.
0: Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR
2: Network. Good morning and welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Father Brian Christensen with my co host,
1: Karen Gibis.
2: And we are speaking this morning with uh, author and uh, speaker, podcaster Kevin Wells, um, who has an uh, upcoming book to be published by Ignatius Press on Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. just before the break, Kevin, we were visiting uh, about the obstacles and the challenges that Father Al was facing um, as he was raising money and serving the poor in Korea and how he had visited Rome and, um, and really kind of did battle with the, the hierarchy to, to put forth, you know, this mission to the poor and, and, and won that battle. Um, it sounds like, you know... Uh, He's uh, the male version in this 20th century time frame of Mother Teresa. I mean, is there any kind of connection or relationship between them?
0: You identified as Father. So they ran in the same circles, uh, Father Al Mother Teresa. They knew each other fairly well, and every now and then they were so busy, but they would bump into each other. And just to kind of tell you how they were the same, but also very different, Father Al, uh, at one of their meetings, approached Mother Teresa, and he said, he's... He, he, See, Mother, I I, I want to buy you ten washing machines, and Mother kind of looked up at him and squinted her eyes, you know, in the way she would squint her eyes and uh-huh. like, what, "What are you talking about?" And he said, "Mother, the sisters shouldn't be washing their sorries, hand washing the sorries. The world already knows they're humble. They should be in the streets working for the poor." Mm. It was very bold, but Mother got it. So so. And also, father kind of, father, father Al kind of, you know, blended with a wink and let, sort of a had a humor <laughs> to him. But sure. mother definitely got it. Father Al was a grinder; he was sweat equity. He wanted people working. So mother, mother Teresa did it in her way, and father Al did it in his way. Uh, they were just on the street. So yeah, that, they knew each other well.
2: Yeah, you know uh, that that's fantastic. He, could you talk about, you mentioned that he passed away in 92, Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, ALS. Can you talk about um, that part of his life and how he met the challenges uh, of that disease and, and the ending of his life?
0: This is the best part of the story, and I mean this. It's, it's heroic. After he was diagnosed in 89, he knew he probably had, you know, three years to live. Rather than saying, well, I'm going to just sort of take it easy because, you know, death is coming, He said, I have no time left. I need to work harder. So he picked up everything and said, I need to go to the West. Mexico Mm. is losing its Catholics. Um, They're becoming Protestants. They're losing the faith because of poverty. So he moved his boys' towns and girls' towns, and that's really what he has now. He has 17 different Catholic boys' towns and girls' towns throughout the world Uh in seven different countries. And he set up shops as he was dying in a wheelchair, and he built a seven-story-high boy's town, and then he built a seven-story-high girl's town, and it took off, and that's where he died. That was his untimely symphony. And the Sisters of Mary, the order that he founded, has, has brought these boy's towns and to girl towns to Brazil, Honduras, Guatemala. And the last thing I'll say is, he could have easily said, I do not want to go. I just want to sort of settle down. Instead, he, he walked into the teeth of his disease, he said, I must work harder for Mary now.
2: Wow. Oh No, again, uh, I would encourage our listeners to check out Venerable Aloysius Schwartz and the work done on researching his biography and his story um, by uh, author Kevin Wells coming out on Ignatius Press. Uh, you're here live at uh, the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Help uh, on Real Presence Radio Live this morning, this uh, feast day of St. Matthias. Um, Kevin, you also have a podcast. Could you uh, share a little bit about the the theme and the work and the aim and purpose of of your podcast,
0: yes, Father. Actually, today I'd love for your viewers to to, uh, to click the, go on YouTube and click the one to one podcast.
2: One to one um, podcast, okay. One to one,
0: and and uh, what what you'll see is today I I uh, I met with Bishop Strickland. It's out of Texas a couple days ago. We spoke of really what we're talking about now, Father, is is the needed boldness of the bishop. It, you know in... During these days where, where, um, it's very difficult to articulate some of the hardest truths to Catholic faith. Beautiful, but hard. Bishop Strickland said, Kevin, if I don't, if I don't preach out against my, my thoughts on fetal tissue from the vaccine or, or maybe Father James Martin and some of his blasphemies or, or even, even, um, be voting for a Catholic president that, uh, believes in abortion nine months in the womb, then I, then I'm failing. My, my apostolic voice. So we really get into it today. So, so the podcast really centers on what helps to heal the church, whether it's holiness, the Eucharist, adoring the Eucharist, Marian centered, um, uh, priesthood, or, or really just today, for instance, Bishop Strickland talking about the needed boldness in 2021. We, we just try and hit hard on, on what the church needs today.
2: Sure. Um, you, for some of our listeners, they may not know the the book you mentioned it earlier in the last segment. Uh, the Priest we need for to save the church, right? Um, could you talk a little bit about that and how that's kind of moved your, I guess, the trajectory of the way you feel the Holy Spirit guiding you in the in the life of the church today?
0: Sure, sure, Father. So the reason, uh, for my recent book, for the book that will be out next week, "Priest and Beggar: The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloisius Fort." He is, you know, in my Humble opinion, and I'm not much, but my humble opinion, he is the priest we need to save the church. So, a- after after I'd written the book, the priest we need to save the church, you know, I, I think it, it it got around pretty good, and 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 a couple came up to uh, a man and woman came up to me and they said, "Hey, we want you to write about this this priest, Father oh, Al," and, mm-hmm. and I researched his life and I said, "Oh my goodness, this 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 man is is like an optical illusion. What he accomplished? <laughs> so 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 yeah, I, I actually kind of." wrote the part two version this is the answer to the priest we need to save the church and i firmly believe he is um again because he was eucharistic he was Marian. he was he he made his life a libation he put almost like a poor chalice of service to the poor he he would die for the poor which he which he ended up doing um he he was he, he was like a manifestation of christ on the cross i will die to serve you
2: When you were here in Rapid City uh, a couple months ago, you talked about, you know based on that idea of the priests we need to save the church. Or, you know, you might say, the bishops we need to save the church. But you also talk about the men we need to save the church because oftentimes um, we do need good leadership. As a priest, you, I feel that call by Christ. I feel that um, desire within my heart you know, to, to preach the truth, to live the truth, um, to serve God and to serve his people um, wholeheartedly. But sometimes I look out there and uh, trying to find the people who are are listening and taking up the challenge with me. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that as you were here in Rapid City and, and, and really in your ministry? Uh, you know, throughout the men we need and the people we need in the church today.
0: Father, I know you get. I, I, I mean this. I know you get lonely sometimes because there is a lack of men. And and Karen, who you do do the show with, I believe that women nowadays are. I hate to say it, but I will are stronger than men. Catholic men, uh, too often, you know, they're working hard for the families, which is wonderful, and we all men need to do it, and, you know, they're kind of, um, you know, they're, they're tuned into, you know, sports and, and their hobbies and whatnot, but so they kind of leave sort of the need for discipleship uh, to sharing their love for the Catholic faith in the public square, and, and men are reluctant to do so. And Father, you get hammered because you don't have that army behind you you need Catholic men willing to go into the public square so, so your congregation and your parish can grow. You know, you want to build the kingdom of God, but you can only do so much from behind the ambo in your own parish. You need men to bring to bring um, you know, new parishioners to your parish. So, yeah, I, I, I think men nowadays, especially during this time of, let's be honest, there's a lot of darkness out there. The world is confused. We just, we, we just scratch our head all day long about different things that are going on. Men need to step in, like you were talking about Bishop Bolton said. men need to step into the breach and say, enough's enough. I mean, when am I gonna, I, I, I need to take care of my wife and family and I need to do the best I can, but I also need to speak up for Jesus Christ. He's very lonely in today's world. He's being rejected in today's world. So yeah, I, I, I think, I think this is, this is a time where men become noble hearted, lion hearted, and step into it.
2: What do you think are some of the challenges that face Catholic men today that keep them from being more bold? What are, what, are the, what, are the, what are the obstacles, what are the challenges, what are the kind of the air that they're breathing that is kind of suffocating them?
0: They don't want to look different. They want to look like the world. They don't want to speak about Jesus Christ at a bonfire when they're drinking beers and they're talking about whatever, and all of a sudden someone says, hey, you know what, I, that kind of offended me what you said about your wife. You shouldn't be talking about your wife that way or whatever. It's a reluctance to look different, to speak different. And it's a shame. Actually, it's pitiful because it defies masculinity. A man stepped into things. Too many men no longer do. They've lost their identity. And let's be honest, the women's liberation movement had a great impact on men. So now we're, now we're termed as toxic. So because we're toxic, we can't sort of go in the way men have, you know, since Adam. We kind of were reluctant to sort of step into things. Well, that's, that's that's a sham. Men are men and we can't change. It's in, it's in our DNA to take things on. And I, and I think men have fallen flat, you know, and I, and and I, and I think of of myself too. I know I've fallen flat too, but I'll tell you this after I fall flat and I, and I, and I sort of go back home, I feel shame. I'm like, why did you choke on that one? Man, you choke and it's, and it's a bad feeling to take home.
2: Yeah, you know, you mentioned Adam, and as you were speaking, you know, afraid to be different, afraid to step in, afraid to, you know, be bold. I think that goes right back to the garden, right? Adam, when, when his wife is being attacked, he's silent. He doesn't act.
0: No, man, he was effeminate, you know? A man, a man steps up and says, no, no, I will, I will crush your neck. It shouldn't have been Mary to crush the snake's neck. It, it should have been Adam. But he had to rely on, on, on bold Mary, you know, later on, as the Gospel, as, as Scripture unfolded, to crush the neck. It should have been Adam that crushed the neck, and he didn't do it. So yeah, we, we've inherited that cowardly concupiscence where we don't want to take things on. You know, it's always it's in us, but, but as Bishop Strickland says in today's One to One podcast, that's, that's unacceptable. Especially in today's world where black is white and up is down, and truth is lies and lies are truth. If a man doesn't step in at
2: this point, then then, why be a man? Yeah. Well, thank you, Kevin, for joining us this morning. Uh, We've been speaking with Kevin Wells, uh, husband, father, author, writer, podcaster. He's got the book coming out, uh, Priest and Beggar, uh, Ignatius uh, Press, also uh, his podcast, One to One. Um, Kevin, thanks a lot for the work that you do, and thanks for joining us this morning on Real
0: Presence Live. Awesome, Father. Thanks for having me in. Love to be back sometime.
2: All right, God bless you, and we'll be back
0: after the break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.